you've been to the movies lately, you most likely have seen Nicole Kidman walking up the stairs, bucket of popcorn in hand. Reciting what I've seen referred to on the internet as the AMC prayer. She talks about the fun of going to the theater, the anticipation, the sound, the excitement. That is pretty much what I feel like going to a horror movie. But perhaps a darker version of that. I want my popcorn in hand. I want my candy. I want my soda. But I want those lights down. And I look forward to that moment when the theater darkens right before the movie starts. And I sit there in anticipation of fear. Because that's what I want out of a horror movie. Yes, it'll be thrilling, exciting, sometimes a little funny. But ultimately, I want that horror movie to scare me. That's what I look forward to when I read a book. That's what I look forward to when I watch a show on TV. That's what I look forward to when I hear a story from you. So shoot me an email. Send me a DM. Tell me about what happened to you. Tell me about that thing that happened to you one time that you can't explain. I'm sitting here. My popcorn's ready. The room is dark. I'm Albie Robles. And I want you to scare me. In 1978, director John Carpenter introduced the world to a new kind of terror, a masked, relentless killer named Michael Myers. Now, this movie had a particular way of building up suspense and dread. Carpenter did a great job of instilling a sense of paranoia and fear. And as great a job as he did at directing this, oh, he also composed the unforgettable score. You know the one. Simple, repetitive piano. It just instantly feels scary from the get-go. And the final touch, finding the perfect mask, which, all Shatner jokes aside, was a terrifying mask. Between the suspenseful direction, the dread-inducing score, and the unique, terrifying look of the villain, Michael Myers became iconic. It set the stage for countless of movies to come. Not just a lot of sequels, which there were plenty, but a whole new subgenre of horror, the slasher film. And it all started with young Michael Myers going into his home and taking the life of his first victim, his sister, Judith Myers. Judith Myers was played by Sandy Johnson, and that's our guest today. That's right. Today we get to talk to Michael Myers' first victim. Today, she talked to us a little bit about what it was like to be on that set, and also a couple of scary experiences she had when she was younger. Here she is, Sandy Johnson. I'm Sandy Johnson. I am the original Judith Myers from John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween. This uh, came about because I um, was always interested in acting. I started out doing drama classes, and also dance and dance production, play production. In college, I branched out and started doing classes, improv classes and such at the studios. 
And then, of course, I did Playboy in 1974, and I went with their agency, who um, people from Halloween eventually got a hold of them, who called me in for an interview. And two days later, I was cast as Judith Myers. My experience on the set, of course, uh, was I was there for one day. It was a very busy set. There was a lot of things going on. They were um, scattering leaves. They were getting things moved around. It was a small house and a very long shot with the new camera. So everybody was pretty busy getting things done while we rehearsed. And we rehearsed most of the day with um, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill going through the various things, staging and the feel that they wanted for each scene and the blocking and all of that. Then um, we went ahead and we did two takes. And between the first one and the second one, of course, I had smashed blood pellets onto me and that had to be cleaned up. So we went back to the trailer and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was in there and she actually helped me clean up between the two uh, scenes. So then I went back and we shot the second one. And uh, the main thing I remember about shooting that was that it was a real house, the Myers house, not a set. So it was actually pretty creepy. It was a very old house and was actually dilapidated, which is how they filmed most of Halloween in it. But then they fixed it up for my scene. But it was still a very creepy old house. So when you went up and down the stairs, they really did creak. And in the room where I was about to be murdered, uh, it was kind of a small, dark area, and it was actually very creepy because I could hear them creeping up the stairs and getting closer and closer. So um, knowing that I was about to be killed was pretty scary because it was a pretty realistic setting. I remember John Carpenter as being um, very nice. He was um, very helpful. He... he um, he was very good at explaining what he wanted and when he wanted it and how he wanted it and all of those things. So I was pretty clear on what he wanted before we started. And his uh, directing as we went along was was really good. So I enjoyed my time with him and uh, I would love to have an opportunity to work with him again. I I really do like scary movies and scary books I have since I was little. There is an adrenaline rush that comes with being scared. So maybe if that adrenaline rush doesn't really have a danger associated with it, then it becomes fun. And you know that everything's going to be okay when it's over. You're really not going to be murdered. And there really isn't someone coming through the window or whatever. So I guess it's the adrenaline that goes with it. But yet you don't really have to be... Uh, so worried on a real level. You can be scared in the moment and all that, but you know you're watching a movie. So you know you're not really in danger, although it's scary. So that's the only thing I can think is probably that adrenaline rush that comes with being scared. I um, One of my first books that I read was Rosemary's Baby, which I loved. And then, of course, I saw the movie. When I was even younger than that, my dad took me to see um, The Blob, the original, in the in a uh, drive-in theater. 
And then he took me to see Rose. Um, oh, whatever happened to baby Jane, which, ooh, yeah, that one really left an impression on me. So I would say, yeah, it started earlier. And as I grew up, you know, I got with my girlfriends and we do sleepovers and usually always watch scary movies through time. And now my husband and I watch them. So I'm definitely a scary movie fan. My husband and I met on a blind date. <laughs> I was I was actually engaged to someone else who um, was very rude to my family on a Thanksgiving day. And I said, okay, well, I, I don't allow people to be this rude to my family. So uh, we're not going to be engaged anymore. And I, I was taking an art class and I went to class and the girl that sat next to me said, well, how was your Thanksgiving? And I said, well, it, it really sucked. I broke up, you know, with my fiance. And she says, oh, that's such wonderful news. And I said, oh, okay. Why is that? She says, because I have the perfect guy for you. And so she did actually have the perfect guy for me. And we've now been married about 37 years. My favorite kind of horror movie is something that is includes psychological horror. Uh, a slow burn is fine. It, it builds. And um, something that kind of leaves you with something that's kind of unsettling or scary when it's over. Um, blood isn't necessary to scare me. In fact, I would say that over-the-top gore, I have no interest in it. Unless there's somebody in the film that I really like and I'm watching it because they're in it or they directed it or something. Otherwise, I usually ask my friends, I go, okay, give me a gore rating on this. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's a high number, I pass. Some of my favorite scary movies are The Shining. I love um, Psycho. I, like I said, I loved Rosemary's Baby. I really loved uh, Halloween 2018. Thought it was really good. It did have some gory moments, yes, but it still had a lot of things about the film that I liked. I like Scream. Uh, yeah, so that's the type that I like that's uh, scary, has some gore, but you, and, and a lot of times there's a twist in the ones that I like. You might you might think you understand it, but then there's a big flip and you go, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I have had a paranormal experience when I was um, in middle school. I had uh, I had actually had a very dear friend that I had known since I was. I don't know, maybe 11, 10, 11 when I lived in Texas. And then we had moved to California and I had kept up with her. And we um, I was going to take a trip back to Texas, like in a week or so from this date. And um, I was sleeping and I woke up screaming and my mother came running in and she said, what is it? What's the matter? And I said, um, Kathy, that which was my friend's name, I said, she's dead. And she said, what? That's ridiculous. You're just dreaming. I said, no, 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 no. I know she's dead. I, I got a message that she was dead. And so 
I was just so hysterical that my mother called Texas to my friend's grandmother, who verified that Kathy had indeed been killed. Uh, she'd been shot with a gun. That's terrible. Yeah, it was it was horrible. And it was so real. I'll never forget it. And it was just totally I mean, there's no way I could have known. <laughs> so you are a believer in paranormal afterlife. That kind of thing. Yes. Um, and uh, did did you grow up in Texas? I grew up kind of back and forth, but most of my time up until middle school was Texas. And then my mother moved me to California. My dad, they were divorced, but he had already moved to California. So we moved to California. And I was there until uh, I divorced from my first husband, which was probably around 1980, somewhere in there. So I spent most of my life, you know, older life. And then I came back to Texas then. Okay. And um, as you were growing up, uh, was there ever anything that a local urban legend or ghost story or haunted house that you'd heard about uh, that you maybe talked about with friends or had just heard about at parties or whatever? There was, uh, it was actually in Oklahoma. I used to go visit my grandmother there and she lived down in the country on a farm and the houses and farms were very far apart. And there was always a story that we had some cousins or something that lived over the hill and we would pass by their house every Sunday going to church. And they always told me that uh, earlier on, they used to see from a distance and it looked like the house that the cousin's house was on fire. And then when they get there, it wasn't on fire. And this went on for about three weeks and then one Sunday they were going to church and they were kind of used to seeing this, except this time the fire didn't go away when they got to the house and the house was actually burning down. And um, one of my cousins was killed in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was uh, that was pretty scary. If you think of all the things in this world that don't have an explanation or that are just so incredible that if you start to think about just the human body is just so incredible, the way it works and all of that, that you have to sort of believe that there are things we don't understand yet. And they're greater than what we, you know, can quite grasp. I mean, since I've experienced it and a lot of people who are obviously sane, um, so certainly it has a record of things actually happening. If you go back in time, obviously all the things that we have now that are obvious to us, if you had said those things to someone in the 1800s, they probably would have thought, you know, there was something terribly wrong with your mind. So I just think that some people are more sensitive to these things. Um, maybe there's a little difference in the DNA of, of the brain that's a little different. I don't know. And it's sensitive to some things. And uh, I, I don't know, maybe just some people are not sensitive to it. So they so it, it just, you know, they're just not capable of 
feeling it or seeing it or understanding it. But I would just tell them, you know, uh, it is what it is. <laughs>「Do you want to try to scare me? If you've had or have heard about a paranormal experience you'd like to share, or if the area you live in has a particularly scary legend or lore, I want to hear it. Send an email to scareme at albiroblesvoice.com. Scare Me is produced by Albi Robles Voice and features original music by Adam Clifton. Additional sound beds are provided by Stephen D. Voiceovers. You can follow us on social media. We are Scare Me Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For voiceover booking information or to inquire about having your own podcast produced, go to www.albiroblesvoice.com.